What do you consider a blessing? Is it what eases this life or the things that build faith? What does Jesus teach us about blessings? Hi, I'm Femi Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. And thank you for tuning in to today's sermon, True Blessings, taken from Matthew 5, 2 through 12. We will look at the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount to see what Jesus considers as blessings. This outlook challenges the worldview of what a blessing is, and hopefully, as we mature in Christ, we can see blessings as they truly are and receive them and allow them to mold us into the person God desires us to be. Blessings come in many forms. And those considered blessed tend to gauge blessings based on the situation. So our blessings, while they're subjective in nature, there should be some objective view of them. Because when we really understand a blessing, we understand that it comes from God. And that the point of the blessing is to focus us on God and and what God desires for all of mankind. But that generally is not how we view a blessing. You see, most people, when they talk about blessings, they're talking about things that tie them to this life, that make this life more comfortable, more bearable, and dare I say, in their point of view, more meaningful. And so in religion today, that's why you'll have a lot of people who are promoting a health and wealth ideology because what it does is actually promotes blessings from a human perspective that makes us more tied to this life. So I do something, then God shows his grace and favor towards me through giving me prolonged life, better health, more materials, an abundance of money, all so that I take my focus off of the God who gave them to me and tie them to the things in this world. And I feel that I'm blessed because I have such. But the mindset present in Jesus was not this. You see, many people came to Christ to be healed to be exercised, the demons, some even to be brought back from life. And he does those things which they ask him to do. But what's interesting is in all of the miracles that he does, what Jesus considers blessed, he doesn't cite that. You see, Jesus really came to preach to suffer, to sacrifice on the cross, and to usher in salvation. And when he preached the most, dare I say, prolific sermon ever preached, that's contained in scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, he starts it off talking about those who are blessed. He does this In the context of, he just healed people. 
and then he teaches this Sermon on the Mount, and we have the introduction to it, which is known as the Beatitudes. And in this Sermon on the Mount, where the Beatitudes start off this teaching, what we get is the life that we are to attain as those who have put our hope in Christ. And it's a high standard, and it causes one to refocus how they see life, how they see things, and dare I say, reevaluate what it really means to be blessed by God. Because what life is really supposed to lead us to is deeper faith. Prepare us for enduring trials and tribulations so that at the end of them, we will receive the true blessing, which is an eternal presence with God. Now, we're going to look at the beginning of this sermon, but what I want us to look at, the whole point of it, Matthew 7 starting at verse 24. And this is the point of the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be a wise man who builds his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was that fall. You see, what Jesus wants the hearers of his word to understand is that we're building a house. And the foundation of that house is either going to be sand or it's going to be rock. And to build that house, it takes understanding of the words of Christ. And understanding of the words of Christ, by nature, teaches us to look at life as Christ sees it. So, what is the foundation that we consider true signs of our blessings. If our blessings, if our house is built upon financial security, health, and well-being, and that's what we consider the foundation of everything that we do that's rooted in this life, then our house will fall. If our foundation is built upon faith, upon demonstration on Christian character, on modeling, exemplifying Christ in everything that we go through, our house will be built on rock and it will stand. Because one thing that we must understand is that in both of these situations that Jesus talks about in all of life, there will be trials and there will be tribulations. He doesn't say the person that builds their house on rock will have happy days. He doesn't say the person that builds their house on sand will evade the winds. What he says is that whatever foundation that you have, you will encounter storms. 
And so if your foundation is to be set, you must understand what it really means to be blessed so that you will be looking for the right thing to build your foundation up on. So, as we look at the end of what Jesus is aiming us to, let's consider where he starts. And that's at chapter 5, verse 2. And we're only going to read the introduction, and I believe the introduction extends through verse 16, because in that introduction, Jesus tells us, this is what it means to be blessed, but also, this is the reason why you are blessed the way you are blessed. Matthew 5, verse 2. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, what he considers as blessed is these situations where people might not necessarily count as blessings. The poor in spirit, the meek, those who are mourning, those who are hungry and thirsting after righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted, those who are reviled and talked about and lied against, people would not consider them blessed, but those are the ones that Christ calls blessed. Why? Because their reward is of a spiritual nature. And after he calls them blessed, he tells them, you're blessed, but you are also salt. You are also light. And because of such, you are to be exemplified in this world because you are the only salt. You are the only light. And without you, without you being blessed, persecuted, accursed, poor in spirit, thirsting and hungering for righteousness, there is nothing different in the world stands in stark 
contradiction to what we would consider as being blessed. You see, what we would consider as being blessed is somebody who has received a miracle, somebody who has been brought back from the dead, somebody who has had their health restored, but that's not who Jesus calls blessed. Because in this context, who Jesus is really speaking to is his disciples, and the crowds were privy to hear this very information. But these are the same crowds who, if we back up just a few verses prior to the beginning of his teaching, we see that if we were to count them in today's standard, they were the ones who were truly blessed. Because it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all the sick and those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demonics, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. And that's when he starts to teach them. And then when he teaches them, he tells them who was truly blessed. He doesn't say those who were cured from their sicknesses. He doesn't say those who were exercised of their demons. He doesn't say those who came to me to receive a miracle. He says those who are suffering for righteousness sake. Those who are poor in spirit and they understand that. Those who are mourning because they see the condition of this world and it makes them sorrowful like God sorrows when he looks down on this earth. And Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount realigns our focus and tells us what it truly means to be blessed. You see, that's important because if we're not looking at it as Jesus is, we'll misalign our hopes. We'll count what's really worth working towards wrongly. And in this day and time where people are seeking a blessing where people are, are, are looking for some sign that God is working in their lives, they'll be looking for the wrong thing. So they'll be looking to be healed. They'll be looking to be receiving a windfall of money. They'll will be looking for friendships, for status in this world, and they won't Consider the fact that their blessing is not in where they are physically, but how they see it spiritually. Because what God is really working on us through in Jesus Christ is realigning our hearts so that in every situation we find ourselves in, we're exemplifying Christ. Because as you go through the Sermon on the Mount, if you don't understand where the true blessing is, it'll make it almost impossible to 
do what God is calling us to do. So, in Matthew 5, verses 2 through 16, we see how we can really judge if we are blessed by God. It's not a matter of changing anything on an earthly status. It's a matter of changing our hearts to a spiritual inclination so that we see the blessing in our situation and how that can conform us to who God is calling all men to. Because if we don't see it as God sees it, we will not be the salt. We will not be the light in the world. And we will not be able to do the things that God wants us to do. And that's difficult. Because we want what the world considers as a blessing administered to us. We want to know that if I lose my job and I have no money, that God will bless me and give me some money to sustain me for a long period of time. And God is saying that even if I don't, you're still blessed. Because those who are poor in spirit, also poor in finances, they really have to depend on me for all of their sustenance. And if you are dependent on me to that level, then you will make heaven your home. You will put your residence in the kingdom of heaven. And that's where your true blessing is. You have learned to detach yourself from the cares of this world to be committed to the cause of Christ to where what you're going through in this world does not hinder your spiritual growth. You'll be able to look at this life, the sin that's prevalent, and you will actually be impacted by it. When was the last time you mourned? Because you looked out into the world and you just saw that this is not what God desired. Do we mourn when we look at ourselves and we see where we're falling short? Or do we say, God knows my heart. I'm going to rely on mercy and grace and I'm not going to change a thing. Because if we have gotten to that point, then what we really have stepped away from is the comfort that God wants to offer us. Because it's not that God is causing us to feel sorry in this situation with a loss of hope and there's no end to it. What he wants us to be able to look at the present situation and no matter how bad it is, how, how, how much we have to suffer in it, recognize that there is something better that God has that only he can provide, that trusting in him and demonstrating the character that he calls us to will put us in the reception of the blessing that God truly wants to give us. A blessing that will not pass with the rest of this earth. A blessing that the trials of life the storms of this world cannot remove because it stands. 
And when we have gotten our hearts there, we can recognize that not only for ourselves, but for others. Because there's a lot of people in this world who we come into contact with, who we are in relationship to, that look to the church for a blessing. And when they look to be blessed by the church, those things, for the most part, are not of a spiritual nature. It's of a financial nature. It's for a pray for me so that I can get a job nature. It's for a pray for, for me so these hard times will end. Not so that I can endure. Not so that I can have faith through persecution. Not so that I can find God in this situation. But that God can remove all of these hard times out of my life so I can get back to some level of comfort in this world and focus more on what I want to do and not what on God is calling me to. See, there's a lot of things in this life that can address those type of issues. There's organizations, there's man-made Clubs, establishments, government that can feed people better than the church. There's health organizations that can counsel people where they're at worldly who have no mindset for what God wants better than what Christians can because they won't accept the message of Christ. There's places that people can go to where they can play sports, to where they can do all of this worldly stuff that the church is not focused on that they might call a blessing, but that God doesn't see as a blessing, that Christ didn't call a blessing. You can go to the doctor and to some level be eased of your physical ailments. But the purpose of the church is to build, establish a relationship to God through Jesus so that you can be afforded salvation, the only place in the world that you can do that, and that's the true blessing. And if we don't function with that understanding, we will try to beat the world at what the world can do better than us, which is make people comfortable in this life. And we'll never get to the point to where we really call people to the depth of spirituality that God is calling us all to. We will never teach people, we will never understand what it truly means to be blessed. And it's not predicated upon what we have in this life. It's not based upon what God has done for me personally. It's rooted in faith and learning to see our life as God sees it, as a way to change the environments that we are in, to be salt, to be light, because there's nothing else that can be salt. There's nothing else that is light, and that's what Christians are called to. But it requires us to understand what our true blessings are. It's important because if we don't understand that, we'll never get to our calling. 
we'll start to look at our lives like the rest of the world and say, woe is me because I do not have. God has forgotten me because I did not receive. I am not blessed because I don't have a standard that I want. And all we have to do is train our hearts to see it as God left Jesus to teach us a blessing. Show us what's really important in life. It's not our position. It's our disposition. How do you see where you are in this world? If we understand it correctly, we are just where God wants us to be to be the salt he needs to impact our surroundings. If you are a Christian, you are the only light in the situation that you are in. There is no other light except for Christ. And while some people may have positive attitudes, good outlooks on life, they are not the light that God wants. They're not light, so they can't shine because they're illuminating worldliness, which is really darkness. That's our job. We are light. We are salt. And the house that we built is built upon rock that nothing in this world can knock off of its foundation. So when we're truly blessed, we can still be poor. We can be persecuted. We can seek peace we can be lied on. We can be reviled. We can even be killed. But our faith is secure. We will see God. We are in the kingdom of heaven. We will be filled for our thirst and hunger for righteousness. We'll be comforted as we mourn for the sinful conditions of life because God will make sure that we are taken care of and it's not rooted in me being healed. What's kind of interesting is all of those people that Jesus had healed, he talks to the disciples, which we are. He refocuses their vision because I'm pretty sure it was very easy for them to see all of these people come all of these people get healed all of these demons be exercised all of these miracles be performed and they start thinking man those people have been blessed by God and Jesus says you want to know who's blessed it's those who have not received the physical change in life but who have understood how to see things with the spiritual lens you see when we see it right we recognize that while we might be sitting in a building in Earl Arkansas we are really in the kingdom of heaven 
and that our citizenship has already been enacted and that we are just sojourners in a foreign land and when we transition from this life to the next we will still be in the kingdom of heaven and we will see things as God wants we will see God face to face because we learned to see what we were supposed to as God saw it here because we were salt because we were light and to be that salt to be that light takes understanding the blessing but as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount it also requires acting in accordance to the blessing you have received so my one question as we conclude this sermon is what do you consider makes you blessed Is that what God says is your blessing? Or is it what you have determined is a sign from God that might not be the true blessing? Many people came to Jesus for miracles, for many things. And some of those things were provided for them. Dare I say a lot of those people were, were given their requests. But the ones that Jesus truly called blessed were the ones whose change happened on a spiritual nature that will not be fully actualized until Jesus returns and we are in the kingdom of heaven eternally. My prayer is that we recognize the true blessings in our lives so that we can build our house on rock. Because we're building a house. There's no two ways about it. And trials and tribulations are going to come. Those winds are going to blow. And if that house isn't built upon rock, if those blessings aren't seen as God sees them, then when those winds blow, our faith will be blown away too. Because we have counted something other than what God counted as blessings and it was based upon an understanding that was not what Jesus came to give you see Jesus purpose wasn't to heal and to, to, to cast out demons just so people could live better his purpose was to do that so that people could see the validity in his teachings he really wanted people to hear what he said so that they can be what God is. And as we go through it, we'll see that Jesus even says, it's better in some cases to go to heaven maimed than to go to hell whole. Because you understand that blessing that's really important. The message is yours. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you, 
My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.